and welcome to this podcast, which seeks to explain why Swiss insurance. And I'm going to be talking to Mark Finn, who's the partner of Aviso All Points, which is a general insurance brokerage. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Nice to see you again. Yeah. So, mate, let's just get an idea of what was the, the idea behind setting up Swiss insurance? Basically, um, the, the genesis of the, of the idea was a, was a coming together of, of the minds, I guess, between uh, Switzer Financial Group, ourselves as general insurance brokers, and uh, an accounting firm called Bentley's New South Wales, where um, both yourselves and Bentley's had a lot of clients who relied on you guys for specialist information in certain areas, but a lot of the wealth and, and other assets that they had um, whilst being managed, um, weren't necessarily being protected or the details of the protection for those assets wasn't really known. So it felt that it was a good complement to uh, provide those clients and, and any clients who were interested in seeking advice to come and have access to an insurance brokerage uh, to get that feedback. So after a little bit of discussion, the idea was to set up a joint venture between the three uh, where we could provide services and products to that customer base, both in the areas of domestic insurance and also business insurance. Okay. So what are the services that Switch Insurance uh, will be offering customers? Well, as I said uh, previously, the, the business is broadly divided into two areas. One is in relation to personal insurances, uh, which is sort of defined as being things like householders insurance, motor vehicle insurance, travel, things like that. Um, and in that area, often we find people complete a lot of their requirements regarding those types of insurances by going online and dealing directly with an insurance company, though what they don't have is the advantage of somebody sort of behind the scenes who can give them some advice on what the various types of policies are, what they cover, how they compare to one another. So the idea on the domestic side of the insurance uh, piece is for us to be able to sit in the background and be able to provide clients with some assistance in making those decisions and also when it comes to making a claim while still being able to give them access to policies that are uh, competitively priced when compared to those other policies online and also providing at least as much coverage if not a little bit more uh, based on the types of access that we can get to other products in the market. On the uh, business side of things, on the advisory side of the business, well, as a general insurance broker, our job is to learn everything we can about a business and how it operates and then assess the risks associated with that business uh, and provide where we can solutions in the form of insurance or other risk management uh, tools that can help the business to, to manage those risks whilst it, it considers, uh, so, sorry, whilst it continues to grow and, and build. Um, yeah, and, and as those businesses do grow and build, the, the, the risks change, they, they grow. Um, you know, a small change in the operation of a business can actually mean a reasonably big change in the, in the risks that that business is exposed to. So we, we work very closely with business to ensure that they um, are, are able to inform us of what they are doing day to day. And we can make sure that the insurance policies that they have in place uh, are designed to protect against the risks that they face. Okay, so listening to you, it, it sounds like you're saying that there will be an online switch solution for pretty straightforward type products that people can you know, navigate on a website. 
but the more complicated the, the client and the more they might need uh, assistance and handholding, they then can go through that particular door where they can get um, an insurance broker to give them advice. Absolutely, yeah. We, we're, we're developing at the moment a, um, a, a platform that people will be able to use to access products of a personal nature, as I mentioned, the home, home and contents, motor vehicle, things like that. Um, what we're trying to do is to take a little bit of a novel approach where I think one of the biggest um, negative comments that get made about insurance policies by people is that the um, whilst, whilst they don't disagree that they contain exclusions, they might be, uh, you know, on page 57 of the policy. Um, and that, that really is the most important part of, of the insurance policy is understanding what it is that you're not covered for. Uh, what we are trying to do is to essentially um, work with some insurance partners that we're, we're talking to at the moment and get a situation where we can have a policy wording which perhaps on page two actually separates, uh, identifies what's not covered by the policy. Um, and once we've dealt with that and the client is sort of satisfied that the things that aren't covered are things that they don't require, well, then we can get into the nuts and bolts of what the policy actually is providing cover for. Um, but as you say, the, the, there is an online presence in that, in that part of it. Uh, and a client will have the ability to communicate with an insurance broker and get some assistance with that if they need it. But on the, um, on the other side, there will be links through the SWITS insurance website for people to communicate with us directly if they want a more of an, uh, an, a hands-on advisory approach to their business. And obviously, as I said, the more, the more complex the business gets, the more it's important that you're getting the right advice with regard to what cover you're, you're purchasing. I know when we were asked to, you know, think about joining the group, one of the first things I said was, well, if we're going to be a, a, a group that are different from all the other competitors out there, we have to do our best to make sure people know what they're covered for and what they're not covered for. Because that's when I think most people get a terrible shock when they think they're covered uh, for insurance and all of a sudden they find they're not. And as you say, it's often buried on page 57 of a a pretty complicated um, terms and conditions um, sheet, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, look, the policies are all written these days in what they refer to as plain English. Um, but I think if you put enough plain English together in a large document, it still becomes reasonably complicated, especially if it's not something you're familiar with. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. What you're not covered for, as I mentioned earlier, is, is the most important thing. And in a lot of policies, even though you appear to be covered for certain things, there could not quite often be uh, different excesses or deductibles that apply if you have a claim in, in for that particular area. Um, there can be limitations on the amount of cover that's provided for um, those types of goods. Uh, there can be limitations in relation to whether or not those goods are at your home or out with you out and about, for example. So um, another major major issue is, is uh, an area called accidental damage, um, which you know a lot of people don't necessarily understand. And when, when looking online at a, at a policy and just sort of believing that they're comparing apples with apples and it's just a price decision. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in there that they they probably need to understand a little bit further to be able to make an informed decision, at least anyway. Okay. So there are so many insurance companies offering direct to the public solutions in relation to personal insurance these days. Why would someone consider using an insurance advisor 
in relation to this type of insurance as opposed to just simply doing it themselves? Well, there's nothing wrong necessarily with doing it yourself as long as you have somebody who can provide you with advice on what you need. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I can technically go online and do my tax myself, but I, would, I wouldn't do it because <laughs> I don't know all the ins and outs and um, I'd probably end up paying more than I necessarily needed to. So the, there's an interesting um, misnomer, I think, that goes around where people believe that if you, if you buy the product direct and online, you're saving money. Um, and the reason that you're saving money is that there's no commissions being paid or any fees being paid to an advisor. Um, that, that's not really correct. The, the, the main reason, and, and we get told this by insurers fairly regularly, is that the, the main reason why insurance sold online is uh, a little bit less expensive, um, there's basically two. One is that you generally have a fairly standard style of policy that's being offered. It's not necessarily got the types of additional covers that um, an insurance broker or advisor could negotiate for you. And the second thing is that the, uh, the policies that get ultimately placed by advisors are the ones that tend to perform worst from the insurer's perspective in terms of having claims. And um, it's not a reflection on the nature of the risk. It's more of a reflection on the fact that the customer has somebody who knows how the policy works and knows whether or not they've actually got a loss. Um, quite often you find that people who are purchasing products online, they have an insurance policy and things may happen from time to time, yet they never realise that they potentially had an insurance claim they could make. Mm. Yeah, okay. So it's a bit like, I, I must admit, you know, pe people can complain that mortgage brokers, you know, get um, paid a fee, but the people who use them invariably find they get much lower interest rates and can also get their products compared, you know, so they are actually comparing apples with apples rather than you know, apples with oranges and whatever. So the same applies to when it comes to insurance, particularly I would have thought with businesses, that's where the opportunities for a broker to make the difference is probably more significant. Absolutely. Um, look, the, the, the obvious things when it comes to business insurance is, is things like insuring your your assets, your premises, if you own your own premises, uh, potentially ensuring business interruption if the, if the business suffers a loss and, and can't operate for a period of time. Now, they're, they're all fine um, and they're the main parts of the policy. But as I say, there's a lot of other bits and pieces that goes into a business insurance policy. Um, and it's not necessarily just... Um, the fact that you're buying insurance, it's also an advisor will help you identify risk within the business. Um, a good advisor is going to sit there and help you identify the sort of the, the bottlenecks or the other issues that exist within the business that if something was to happen in that area, um, you know, that would have an impact. Now, insurance is not always the solution, but in most cases, it tends to be the most cost-effective solution. And, and understanding those risks and being able to then make decisions about whether or not you proceed down a certain path um, because it's, uh, you know, it might be uninsurable or not cost effective to insure or because of the, the nature of the activity that you're undertaking is likely to lead you into an area where you have to buy additional insurances that, that don't currently apply to the business. Um, we have, you know, outside of business insurance itself, it's the actual nature of the business that you're operating as to whether or not you may need additional covers like professional indemnity insurance or specialist transport and logistics covers, depending upon what you're doing and things like that. So just going online and buying a business insurance policy 
is part and parcel of what you would need, but doesn't necessarily completely cover um, all of the needs of the business. Okay. Um, how important is it to accurately calculate a sum insured value in relation to buildings and contents when arranging your home insurance? Look, whether it's home insurance or business insurance or, or anything, um, the, the sums insured that you nominate are generally the factors that are used to calculate the premium. Um, the insurance company will have a particular rate that they'll want to charge um, and essentially in a, in a very simplistic form, they take the rate, multiply it by the sum insured you nominate and, and that's what works out to be the premium. Now, people generally have an understanding of that and may be tempted at times to um, minimise the, the value that they choose for a sum insured on the basis that they think, well, the likelihood of something going completely wrong um, is, is very, very low. The, the more reasonable likelihood is that only only some things will happen or we'll only you know in a, if we have a, a five million dollar building that's like the worst cases we're likely to only have a one million dollar claim um, generally speaking that's not the way insurance works uh, the way insurance works is that you let the insurance company know a hundred percent of the values of the items that you want to be insured they take into account the fact that the likelihood of losing 100% of those items is very low, and that's generally built into the rate that they charge when they're calculating the premium. Um, and the reason that you need to do that is because there's a concept called coinsurance that exists. And in a very simplistic way, that basically means that if, if you decide that you have a, a million dollar asset and you're going to insure it for $500,000, the insurance company will turn around and make the assumption that you have made a conscious decision to only insure half the asset, with them and that you're deciding to insure the other half of the asset yourself. Um, now that sort of works if you're if you if that's your intention in the event of a total loss, but you would be having to come up with half of the, the value of the asset yourself. Um, but the thing that people often get tripped up on is in the event of a partial loss, where you know they may still have a claim that's less than five hundred thousand dollars, which is the amount they insured with the insurance company, but the insurance company will apply that sort of 50% each rule to any loss that you have. So um, it's very important that you, you, you get those numbers right. And, and once again, with an insurance advisor, they can help explain to you the logic behind that um, and the fact that it's already taken into account that nobody is uh, likely to have a regular occurrence of, of very major losses. So basically we, um, we have a situation where on, um, on contents insurance in homes, people often get that mixed up. Um, you know, they, they sort of have a look around and, and see what they've got. And they tend to either be way too high or way too low. So um, you're quite often in a situation with stuff in your house that you don't necessarily have receipts lying around. Um, it makes a lot of sense to go around and take photographs of things if you can, uh, just so that in the event that something does happen and you have to try and demonstrate your loss to an insurer, obviously the more information and evidence that you have of what it was that you actually lost, um, the better. You know, things like models of, of pieces of equipment and what, what type of television you had and things like that. People generally will say, well, I had a, I had a Samsung TV, but I couldn't tell you what model it was. Um, and these days, the value between one model and another can be quite significant. So... Um, the, the more accurate you can be and if you can go through and sort of essentially break the house down into various rooms and keep a list of what you've got, take some photos, as I say, um, and then work out a figure, then that's going to put you in a lot better situation if and when you have a claim. 
um, which ultimately is the only reason why people are buying insurance in the first place, right? Mark, if, for example, you insured your home thinking it was worth $2 million, um, by the actual fact, a value would say that it was uh, $4 million. So you, you've underinsured by uh, half a million, well, by half. Yes. And then you have a fire and the builder says, well, it's going to cost you half a million dollars to get this back to where it was. Are you saying that the insurance company will say, well, will I give you 250000 because you, you, you are half insured, the bill is 500000 so we'll give you 250000 That's That's definitely the risk that you run if you underinsure, because most insurance policies, especially the, the more straightforward ones like your, business, your home insurances and things like that, will have a clause in it that require you to identify the full replacement cost. Um, in the event that the building is completely destroyed and all of the contents as well. Now, there are a number of insurers um, online now that will um, sort of give you an estimate uh, of what they think. There's all sorts of computer programs running in the background that you, you sort of put your, your address details in and, and it pretty much knows your home. It knows how many bedrooms you have and whether or not you have a swimming pool and all this sort of stuff. So um, that information is, is available. And, and can be used by a number of people. You, there's possibly ways you can go in and um, you know look up online calculators and things like that yourself. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's obviously an important distinction that it's not the value of your home if you were to sell it that you're trying to insure it for. It's the actual value of the, of the bricks and mortar and the other improvements that you've made to the property that form the assets. So, so basically take away the land value um, and, and it's and what could actually be destroyed and need to be physically replaced that needs to be insured. But there are, there's, there's many different ways of being able to try to get a more accurate idea um, of what your home might be worth to replace. So oftentimes people have recently done renovations or something like that. Um, you know, you can sort of make a bit of a guess as to, you know, we, we, we renovated approximately 10% of our home um and it cost us this much money so you know the cost a lot of homes that have been around for a long time um, or if you purchased a house that you didn't build um you know it's very hard to know exactly what the sum insured should be so uh, there's there's a lot of tools and calculators and obviously you know the, the benefit of having an advisor helps you to come up with a more accurate accurate figure yeah, yeah well, well i'm thinking particularly over the last two years with the house price boom we've seen in australia so someone might have thought they had a $2 million home, but they really have now the $3 million home. But are you saying that really in a, in a perfect insurance world, you should actually say, okay, um, let, let's just eliminate the value of the land. Let's say it's $500,000. The, 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 the price the house will sell would be $3 million. So there's, take off the land, it's $2.5 2 But But you actually implied that Really, in a perfect world, you'd be better off getting a builder saying to you, how much would you charge me if you had to take away my burnt property and build me a new one? Which might Correct. end up being 2 million rather than 2.5. Absolutely. Um, and, and that scenario that you've identified there, I mean, the, the, you know, with the recent housing boom, a big part of um, why the prices are going up and, and it's related to things like location or views or 
um, you know, particular suburbs, uh, the, the, the cost of finance and things like that. They're, all of those things are relevant for the, for the cost of housing, if you like, but they don't really necessarily impact the cost of rebuilding the house that's on that land. So even though a particular property may have increased from 2 million to 3 million, um, the house that sits on that property may not have changed. And if the sum insured, let's just say to replace that home was a million dollars, that may very well not have changed. Mm. Um, the, the, you do get situations in, in extreme circumstances where you've got remote locations and if there is some sort of a, um, a large loss like a, like a cyclone or, or an event that affects a large area that you might then have problems with supply of materials, supply of trades and things like that, which can inflate the cost of replacing a home in those circumstances. Mm. But as a general rule, um, you know, if you were to suffer a loss at your property on your own um, and there aren't out, out other factors that are impacting that, um, you know, the, probably the, the, the movements in the housing market itself are not, are not really big factors for affecting the, the replacement cost of buildings and contents. That's a really important point, Mark. I think a lot of people would have thought that the value of the, you know, the cost of the home or the price that someone would pay equals what you have to insure to it. But in, in, real, in reality, um, you're saying it's in your interest to find out what might be the replacement cost if ever your home was devastated, burnt out or whatever. Absolutely. Um you know, for, for, for both reasons, as in you certainly don't want to be over-insuring the value of your assets because at the end of the day, you're paying premium for that sum insured, but the insurance company is only ever going to indemnify you for your loss. Um, the fact that you may have insured your house for a million dollars and it's only a $500,000 replacement cost building doesn't mean that if that building gets destroyed, the insurance company is going to hand you a check for a million dollars. At the end of the day, they're indemnifying you for the replacement cost of the asset that you need. If you've overinsured, then you run the risk of um, paying more premium than you necessarily need to, and also that you're not going to get that difference paid back to you as part of a claim. On the other side, of course, if you underinsure, well, then you're exposed to the types of things that we spoke about earlier. Um, and whilst you might have saved a little bit of insurance premium at the time, uh, that would pale into insignificance in terms of the uh, the shortfall in the insurance payout that you get. Okay. And so when it comes to online insurance or even insurance through a broker, if someone lived, lived in, say, for example, a place where the properties are, are quite unique, let's say like Paddington Terraces. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, if someone tried to insure their home for $2 million, the insurer would say, oh, hang on. The, the average terrace in Paddington sells for three. So you, you're underinsuring. Do, do those sort of flags come up when someone insures or is it basically, you know, that's the number you've given us and if, if you're wrong, we will pay you less if something goes wrong? Look, they, 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 whether you're working through an advisor or whether you're working with an insurance company direct, they will take pains to make sure that you understand that you're required to um, provide a sum insured that is equivalent to the full replacement cost. Uh, that will be part of the documentation or wording on, a, on an online platform or something like that. So there, there's plenty of, I guess, warnings there for people to be aware of. Uh, if you're working with an advisor, obviously that falls into the advisor's 
um, area to, to work with their client to make sure that they're doing things in accordance with the way the policy works. Uh, there, there won't be um, a, a comparison by an insurer on the adequacy of if some insured based on the, uh, the, the market value of the property. Uh, because as I say, that's not relevant to the insurance, the insurable value of the property. Um, at the end of the day, the, the buildings and contents and things like that are, are important. Um, that's what the insurance company is responsible for. There might be improvements to the outside of the property, like gardens and landscaping and swimming pools. That, that can all be included. Um, the main thing is obviously to remember that if you do undertake any kind of improvement to your property, that it might be a good time to then review the, the replacement cost um, because there's, obviously there's more that can go wrong now that you've, you've spent some money um, you know, improving. And, th and that's what we have been seeing a lot of uh, during COVID, I guess, when people haven't been able to take their money and spend it on holidays. In a lot of cases, they've taken that money and, and plowed it back into improving their home or um, things like that. Um, probably a good time when you when you do that sort of thing to take stock and, and reassess whether or not the, the, the previous sum insured is still relevant. It seems to me, mate, that really the, the smartest thing you could do, particularly if you had a unique kind of property, is actually get a quantity surveyor to tell you what they think the replacement value would be. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the sort of the pinnacle, I guess. Um, they'll tell you exactly down to how many nails you're going to need. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, and, and cost it all out for you. Unfortunately, probably the cost of getting that done in some cases is more expensive than the cost of the insurance premium. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, so look, the, the idea is obviously people need to be reasonable. Um, they have various duties and responsibilities under insurance policies that they, they need to tell the insurance company what they need to know. Um, there's, there's often um, hints and, and material that the, 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 the individual can find that will give them a clue as to where to start in terms of the value of, of a building. Um, you know, knocking a building down and having to rebuild it from scratch um, is usually less expensive than just doing a renovation on an existing building. So, and the reality is that likelihood is that you're going to have partial damage, not complete damage. Um, so that they're the things that you need to take into account uh, when when you're coming up with these values. But yeah, if you had a someone you knew who was a builder, or if you're very lucky, somebody you know who's a quantity surveyor, um, you know, could come around and give you a better idea as to what what it might cost to replace the building. Okay, Mark. Well, that's um, covered most of the questions I had. Is there any other issue that we haven't touched on that you think the, you know, the, the non-experienced insurer insurance um, customer um, should know about? Uh, look, I, th I think from an introductory perspective, we've covered a fair bit today, Peter. Um, there's 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 always questions and queries, I guess, and that and and you know to the extent of pushing the barrel of, of an advisor. Um, at the end of the day, you always need to be able to justify your value. Um, but because of the fact that there are a lot of things to consider, when you do uh, arrange something directly yourself with an insurance company, then you know it's you on one side of the transaction and the insurance company on the other. So um, they're, they're not really in a position to give you advice as to what your particular needs are. Um, they have a product. If, it, if, if you feel as though it's appropriate for your needs, then that, that's a decision that you're making. Um, the, the distinction between being an advisor is that we act in the interests of the customer. Um, we're, not, we're not agents or representatives of the insurance companies. Our, our role is to try and identify what 
the customer's needs are and then help them fulfill those needs uh, from whichever company or group of companies, depending upon how many policies they need, um, you know, fits the bill. So um, as far as advisors are concerned, you sometimes get a bit, bit of a bad rap when it's always about, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have to pay an advisor fees or commissions and, and that's, a, that's a waste of money. I think insurance is probably one of those subjects where it's it's definitely not a waste and, and paying, a, a you know, that little bit extra for the advice of somebody who can make sure you're getting what you need um, is, is something that can help you sleep at night when, uh, because, you know, when the, as we always say, when the fire engine's driving away from the from the smoky ruins of your property, you're not thinking about how much premium you paid. Mm. You're thinking about how much cover do I have? Yeah, exactly right. That's Mark Finn, partner of Advisor All Points. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks, Peter. Quentin time! Quentin time! Mm.